good to be here this, uh, this evening. It's good to see you. Um, at this time, we, we've come to uh, the next portion of our chapter studies in the book of Matthew, and we've come to Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. And the, uh, the easy title that I could give to this section is the parable of the sower, because that's the main subject in this section. Uh, Jesus gives the parable, teaches the parable, then he talks about the purpose of parables, because he's asked about that. And then he explains the parable of the sower. So uh, that's, that's what we're going to do tonight. We're just going to read through this section uh, and then talk about the different um, aspects of this, this section of verses. Uh, so I want to go ahead and start and just read through Matthew 13, verses 1 through 23. It says, The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they see, see not. In hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Esaias, or Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, Then cometh the wicked one, and catches the way that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed in stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath not root in himself, but dureth or endureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and taketh the kick. Heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So that's the section of verses uh, that we're going to study tonight. So a big chunk of it is on the parable of the sower, uh, but in the middle of, of this section... There's a, a, a middle section, 
where the disciples ask Jesus about the purpose of parables. They, they say to Jesus, why are you speaking in parables? Why don't, you know, perhaps they're thinking, why are you not just telling us what you mean? Just tell us what you're trying to say. And Jesus, why are you speaking in these stories or these parables? And so Jesus explains to them the purpose of parables. So I want to look at that section first, and then we'll jump into the parable of the sower. Um, so the disciples came and said to Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? Uh, the first thing I looked up is, is what, what does the word parable mean? Um, and if you go to Strong's Concordance and, and uh, how Strong's defines the word parable, the, the Greek word, it's uh, similitude, placing one thing beside another. So placing one thing, kind of comparing it to another. So you see that word parable in the word comparable or compare. It's similar root words. Placing one thing beside another. And uh, it goes on to say in Strong's Concordance, a narrative, fictitious, but agreeable to the laws and usages of human life, by which either the duties of men or the things of God, particularly the nature and history of God's kingdom, are figuratively portrayed. So Jesus gives a story, um, so, so to speak. He gives a so story in a way, and it's a real story in the sense that it involves real things. So not, perhaps not something that actually happened, but it's something that's real. It doesn't contain things or elements in the story that are out of this world and unbelievable. It's real things like sowing seeds or farming, something everyone can understand. And he uses that story or that analogy to explain something else. And usually it's about the kingdom of heaven. We'll see uh, a lot of parables about the kingdom of heaven. So he uses real life elements and stories and things people will relate to to compare it and explain a deeper spiritual um, meaning, uh, such as the kingdom of heaven and, and how the kingdom of heaven is. He uses parables to do that. So that's what a parable is. It's placing one thing beside another. That's literally the definition. And, and Jesus uses these parables to explain something deeper. But then we go on to the question of why Jesus speaks in parables. And Jesus answered them and said in verse 11, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Whoever has to him, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you, many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear. And did not hear. So Jesus explains to his disciples why he's speaking in these parables. And I think the key verse here is verse 12. He says, For whoever has to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So in, in verse 11, he says, It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, more will be given. And he'll have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So what, is, what, is, what does he mean by that? That sounds a little cryptic, but 
what is what is Jesus talking about in this verse? Well, in the first part, he says, whoever has to him more will be given. Uh, what he is given, I think, is explained in verse 11. It says the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, that's given to those who understand the parables. So whoever has something, they'll be given this. They'll be given the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. They'll understand God's message. They'll understand what the kingdom of heaven is. And it will be explained to them because they have something, which we'll talk about. They have that. So they'll be given the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. I think you could also imply that if they are understanding the kingdom of heaven, they've been explained the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, um, they'll probably respond to it. And then you can imply that they'll gain entry into the kingdom of heaven if they respond correctly. So the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven is what they're given. Uh, knowledge of the kingdom of heaven, and if they respond well, entry into the kingdom of heaven as well. So what do they have to have then? Uh, that's the question. We have to have something in order to receive the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And this phrase here that Jesus used, whoever has him more will be given. Uh, if, uh, from what I looked up, it's kind of a proverbial saying uh, that if you have, more will be given to you. And uh, to kind of explain that, it's, it's if you have a talent or a treasure or ability and you utilize that thing well, you'll gain from it. You'll gain from that talent. You'll gain from that treasure. You'll gain from that ability. You'll reap the benefits if you use those things well. And so it made me think, you know, if someone has a talent or an ability and they work hard and they put in the effort, They'll gain from that. Generally, they'll gain from that hard work. They'll gain from that ability, that talent. If people use their money well, and, and you know, I've, I've heard the phrase before, it, it takes money to make money, and perhaps that's a proverbial saying we say today, um, but that's kind of how it works in, in, the, uh, in the secular world. If you have a lot of money and you invest it well and use it well, you gain more money. And so if you have something and you use it well, you'll gain and you'll benefit from that. So what do these people need to have in order to gain knowledge of the mysteries of heaven? Well, that's really explained in the rest of Jesus's um, speech here about how um, the people who did not receive the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, they did not have ears that were open, eyes that would see, and hearts that were ready to receive Jesus' message. And you can see that here. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, and this is a prophecy from Isaiah. The hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. That's what the disciples had. They had eyes that were ready to see. They had ears that were open and ready to hear. Because they had that, they received the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. They could understand the parables. They could understand what Jesus was saying because they were wanting to try and figure out what is Jesus saying in this parable. But those who didn't have open ears and open eyes and their hearts were dull, they were hardened by sin and pride, they were not ready to receive the message of Jesus, they wouldn't understand it. They would reject it. They would reject the parables. They weren't willing to dig and truly try and understand what Jesus is saying. They just cast him out and rejected him because they didn't like 
who he was. And so their hearts had grown dull as Isaiah had prophesied because they did not have ears and hearts and eyes ready to receive that message. They did not receive the benefit. So I think the message for us from that, from the purpose of parables is that we have to make sure our hearts are always open. We have to make sure our ears are always ready because even as Christians, we are always learning and we never need to reach the point, never, uh, we should never be at the point where we think we've got everything figured out, where we know it all and we, we understand everything and we, there's no room for us to learn because we'll never get to that point. There's always room to grow. And so we need to be careful that our ears don't become closed, that our hearts don't become hardened, that we don't be built up in pride of, of the knowledge that we have or experience we have and think we've got it figured out and, and we can't learn or we can't be corrected or we can't learn from Jesus and, and grow um, because that's, that was the issue of the Pharisees. That was the issue of many of the Jews. They were self-righteous. Their hearts were hard. Their ears were closed. And they were very religious people. They had a great knowledge of the law, but their hearts were hard. And because of that, they missed the whole message of Jesus. So we have to be careful with that as well. You see, the, the thing about one thing about faith is that faith is, is tightly... Um, tied to the, the concept of diligently seeking God. In Hebrews 11 and verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Part of our faith is seeking God, diligently seeking God, and, he, and God will reward those that diligently seek him. And that's something we always have to do. We have to constantly be searching and searching for God, no matter our age, no matter how much knowledge or faith that we've had previously, there's room to grow. We need to keep searching and keep seeking him and keep having an open heart to God's word, not to outside influences, but to God's word and let God's word continually refresh us and tell us what we need to hear so that we can receive the benefits of God's word. So that's part of our faith is seeking God, diligently seeking him. And if we have the right faith, we'll have an open heart to his word and we'll keep growing as Christians. Matthew 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You see, the disciples, those um, who were not hardened in their hearts, they were hungry. They were hungry for God's word. They were hungry for righteousness. They thirsted and hungered after God and seeking God and they were ready to receive Jesus and because they had that hunger and that thirst after righteousness they were filled they were filled by Jesus's teaching and the blessings of the mysteries of the kingdom of God and so we got to keep up that hunger we got to keep up that appetite to be filled and to learn and to grow and diligently seek God so that's the purpose of parables now I want to ask this question and I think the purpose of Jesus' explanation of the purpose of parables in general really ties in well with this parable, and I think probably that's why it was all put together and worked out that way. Um, but now I, I want to focus on the actual parable in this, this section, the parable of the sower. And I want to pose this question to you, what type of soil are you? And to myself, 
what type of soil am I? Four different types of soils are explained in this parable. And we'll go one by one um, explaining the different types of soil. So the first one is the wayside. If you look up the wayside and what that is, um, it's, it's like a path. It's like a road or a path or a walkway. And most likely is talking about a path next to a crop. So this is all dealing with farming and soil. So probably a, a path in, in between rows of crops. And I'm no farmer uh, by any means. So, uh, you know, I'm speaking beyond my knowledge of farming and things. But uh, paths in between crops or perhaps beside a row of crops. Paths where uh, equipment would go or people would walk. But the general idea is that it's a, a, a side way, it's a, a path that you walk on. So the soil there is hard, it's something that's been compressed, that people have been walking on, or equipment's been walking on, so it's hardened soil. It's not the type of soil you would plant uh, a crop in or, or something in. You would not put, sow your seed on the wayside. It's a hardened path. And that's the first type of ground. Um, so what I'd like to do is is Go uh, look at the verse of the actual parable, uh, the first the, when he actually teaches the parable. Then I want to look at Jesus' explanation uh, at the end of this section. Just go each section that way, or each ground, or each type of soil that way. Because really, uh, you know, Jesus explains it best, his own parable. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I broke this up. But it, uh, in verse 3 and 4, this is part of the parable, he says... He spoke to them, uh, many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Then in verse 19, Jesus explains this part of it. it says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who has received seed by the wayside. The first thing I want to notice here is what the seed is. Uh, I know we, t we asked the question, what, what type of soil are you? Uh, well, he also mentioned seed. So what is the seed? Well, he explains in verse 19, the seed is the word of the kingdom. So the seed that the sower is sowing and casting out, that's the word. That's the word of the kingdom. So that's what the seed is. Um, but the first type of ground is the wayside. So this uh, seed was cast to the wayside, and in the parable it says the birds came and devoured it. Jesus' explanation says the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. Now, I think this first type of ground really ties back to the previous section of Jesus explaining the purpose of parables. Because if you notice, it says uh, those who hear the word of the kingdom and do not understand it, this is the people who have ground like the wayside. And then when he talks about this prophecy, Isaiah says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand. They won't understand it. They reject it. Seeing you will see and not perceive. The hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes, they have closed. This is the type of ground that he's talking about. The wayside is a hardened ground, not ready to receive the word. It, it bounces off of it. It doesn't, um, you know, uh, penetrate the soil it doesn't go into the ground and so it's just sitting on top of the ground and then the birds come and they eat the seed and, and devour it and it has no effect on this type of person 
And this is who I believe he's uh, talking about in this prophecy of Isaiah. Their hearts have grown dull, their ears are hard, their eyes they have closed. So they just are not ready at all to receive God's message, to receive the words of Jesus. What causes people to be this way? Why are people this way? Well, I think the, the primary answer is sin. I think that's what causes people to become hardened like this, where they just won't receive any message of God. They're not ready to receive anything, any type of correction, any type of instruction. They're just closed off to hearing the word of God, to hearing what Jesus has to say. I think is sin is the root of that issue. 1 John 2, 15 through 16 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. This really categorizes sin into three categories, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, things of this world. That's what I believe people are caught up in when they're not ready to receive God's word. When it it bounces off one ear or goes in one ear and out the other, um, they're not ready to receive the word because they're caught up in worldliness. They're caught up in the lust, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Pride, we talk about many times, that pride is hardening your heart. Where you're unwilling to, to, to budge, unwilling to change, and unwilling to receive with meekness and humility God's word. Lust of the eyes, we're just someone who's just caught up in, in sinful desires and, and, and things that they see and, and they lust after. And they're just caught up in sin and they don't want to hear anything that relates to religion or a higher power or Jesus or Christianity or or having to submit because they're caught up in things of this world. Lust of the flesh, same idea, caught up with lust of this world and not ready to receive the word. Uh, We need to make sure we don't fall into that trap. We don't drift off into this path where we're just caught up in sin, uh, pride of life, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, where we become closed off to God's word because that's a danger for us as well. But that's the uh, ground of the wayside. The second ground we have is stony ground. Uh, So I want to look at this as well. In verse 5 and 6, Jesus explains it in the parable, says, Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Jesus' explanation in verse 20, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So you see, Jesus explains the stony ground. So the stony ground has some soil in it. There's some soil in the stony ground where the, the seed is planted, it's, you can see in uh, verse 20, he receives it with joy. So a stony ground person receives the word. There is some depth of soil where the, the seed is planted. They receive it. They have joy. Uh, they accept it. But it only lasts a little while. The root is not deep because there's stones in the ground. And there's stones in the ground where the root cannot go further into the soil and really get a good root and and a firm foundation in that soil because there's stones everywhere in that ground. And it's not strong. It's not a strong rooted plant. 
And the seed, when, uh, when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, he stumbles. Uh, and then in, in the parable, it says, when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root and they withered away. So it's someone who receives the word. There's, there's a, a sense of joy, a sense of acceptance. Perhaps they, they like the good things that they hear. They like the message of grace and mercy and things that sound good and the blessings you will receive with the word. But when the going gets tough, they fall apart. They give it up. And I think, you know, perhaps we've all seen examples of that, of perhaps people we've talked to, you know, who receive the word and they, they perhaps they show interest. They, they, they're excited about the message that we present to them and they receive it and there's some joy, there's some initial zeal. But then that dwindles and perhaps they fall off, something comes up in their life, some tribulation or persecution, it gets tough for them, and they unfortunately fall away from that initial joy and reception of the word. This is the stony ground. Ephesians 4, verse 14 through 15 talks about how we need to have, we need to be mature in our faith. It says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up to him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So here it talks about growing up into Jesus, growing up as the church, growing up together. He was speaking, uh, I, I believe, the church of the first century where they were growing up together. And uh, before this, they talk about all the gifts and the apostles and prophets and how they were all supposed to grow up together to be a strong strongly rooted church. The same message applies to us today as the church and individually, we need to continue to grow and make those roots deeper in our soil so that we henceforth, so that we going forward are no more children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. So every message that comes from the world, we're not tossed to and fro, not knowing what is truth or what is right. Perhaps society says this is right, this is wrong, and we're confused and we don't know what's right and wrong. We need to grow up in a way of, of maturing as a Christian where we have a strong foundation where we, we can truly uh, perceive what is right and what is wrong. And that's by growing in the word, by growing in the word, uh, spending time in the word and growing in our faith, being no more children, spiritually speaking, but being adults, spiritually speaking, and continuing to grow up into him in all things. So that's something for us to, to do as well, to continue to remove the stones out of our soil, out of our ground, and to continue to make those roots deeper in our faith, to build our faith, build on that foundation. Colossians 2, 6 through 8, a uh, similar idea says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy or vain deceit, and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So similar idea here. We need to be rooted and built up and established in our faith as we have been taught. Walk and receive Jesus and walk in him. And we need to be careful of, of people who are uh, presenting philosophy of this world or vain deceit so that they don't carry us away to some false doctrine. We need to be rooted in the truth and rooted in Jesus. Hebrews 12 verse 1 also uh, here talks about endurance. 
Uh, it says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Um, and I think that's, that's key as well, because sometimes, you know, our, our zeal can go up and down and our, our passion can go up and down. And especially a new Christian, they may have a lot of zeal and a lot of joy, but that zeal and that joy, that can, that can dwindle off and that can wane off and, and it could even lead to them falling away if that's all their faith was built on, on, on the joy and the, the initial feeling of zeal. We need to recognize that Christianity is an endurance race. It's, it's not a sprint and it's something that we need to continue building up our endurance, continue growing as runners in this race. But it is an endurance race and it's not always going to be happy times. It's not always going to be great times. There's going to be tough times. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be trials and we've got to stick it out. We've got to have patience and endurance and not wither away when the sun gets hot, not wither away when the wind comes and, and be uprooted. We need to be strong in our faith and endure even in the hard times. We need to run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so I think that's the message for us not to be like the stony ground. Uh, the third type of ground are thorns, the, the ground that has thorns that come in and choke the word. Uh, this is found in Matthew 13, verse 7, in the parable it says, Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. And then he explains this in verse 22, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. So this one, you know, when I first read this and are, you know, from hearing the parable of the sower over the years, sometimes I get a little confused uh, on this one versus the first one. Uh, so I just want to go into the difference between wayside and thorny ground. You know, wayside were people who uh, were not ready to receive the word at all. They were just caught up in sin and sinfulness and, and the way of the world, and they just rejected the word outright. But the thorn, thorny ground is a little bit different. Um, so one way the thorny ground is different is thorny ground has seed that is planted in fertile soil, and, but the thorns above the ground choke the word and, and keep it from prospering and choke out the word. So perhaps you know, the ground of the thorny ground, uh, perhaps the ground itself is good ground. Perhaps it's good soil and, and the seed goes in deep and it goes in well, it's received well. But over time, thorns come from the outside, above ground, and they choke out the plant that is growing, the seed that is growing that plant. They choke it out. They choke out the word from prospering. So it's these external things above ground that are choking out the word. Uh, also, point number two, thorns, thorns are described as cares of the world, not necessarily sinful in and of themselves. So not necessarily sinful things. You know, Jesus says, the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, choke the word. Riches are not necessarily evil things, but loving riches is evil if we love the love of money, pursue money. Cares of this world doesn't necessarily mean sinful things, but worldly things that perhaps responsibilities we have to take care of. Things of this world, they come in, these are what the thorns are, they come in and they choke the word. I think perhaps the best example I could think of in Scripture is is this uh, 
accounts of Mary and Martha, uh, these sisters who, who had Jesus in their home. And, and Luke 10, verse 41 says, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So if you read the previous uh, verses here, uh, my perception of it, Jesus came into their home, and Jesus starts to teach and talk about good things, perhaps mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, starts talking to them about good things. And Mary's at the feet of Jesus, all eyes on Jesus. She's focused on Jesus and listening to what he has to say. But Martha, and I just imagine this in my head, Martha's in the kitchen. I don't, you know, I don't, it doesn't say that, but I imagine she's in the kitchen and she's, you know, getting dishes ready and she's doing all these things, ready to serve Jesus and getting the, the coffee ready, you know, whatever. She's getting ready to serve Jesus. What it says in scripture is she was busy serving, uh, getting ready to serve him. Uh, doing things that are serving him. And so she was busy doing busy things, serving Jesus in her home. And, you know, you look at that and you think, well, she's doing a good thing. And really, she was, in a way, doing a good thing, wanting to serve Jesus. But Jesus said here, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. One thing is needful, and Mary had chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Martha was upset and wanted Mary to come in and help serve. But Jesus says, Martha, you're careful and troubled about many things. Mary's chosen the good part. Mary's chosen the better thing. You see, and I think the message there is that we have a lot of things that can distract us from what truly matters. We have a lot of things in this world that we can be busy about doing. They may not be bad things. They may be even uh, be good intentioned things, serving others, uh, you know, but Jesus reminded Martha that Mary chose the good part. And what Mary chose was to spend time with Jesus, to spend time listening to Jesus. And Martha was careful about these other things and the distractions when she should have been in there listening to Jesus. So I think the message is we need to make sure that the cares of this world do not distract us or start taking away from us spending time focused on the right things, focused on Jesus. We need to make sure that the, the, the busyness of this world doesn't keep us from spending time with our Lord, doesn't keep us from coming to church, or doesn't keep us from studying his word, or just focusing on spiritual things. They may not be bad things, but they can choke out the word if they take up all of our time, if they take up all of our attention, and we neglect Jesus. We neglect the things that really matter. We need to choose the good part over cares of this world. And so that's, um, I think, a message for us, for all of us. We live in, I think, you know, the, the culture uh, that we live in has been one of um, uh, promoting busy, being busy and, and being active and focusing on work and working a lot. And, and I think that can be a danger if that's too much of our focus and we're neglecting our time focused on spiritual things. And we need to make sure that the thorns and the cares of this world are not choking out the word in our hearts. Uh, the last type of ground that, that we have here in this parable is the good soil. And of course, this is the soil we want to be and want to strive to be. Uh, in verse 8 of the parable, he says this, But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. 
Verse 23, he explains, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. So the good ground is what we want to be. We want to be the good soil. Uh, I think James 1 explains it well. Uh, it says in James 1 verse 21, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. So lay apart all overflow of evil and deceit, all the cares of the world and all the sin in your life. Lay that aside and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. We need to receive with meekness, humility, gentleness, the exact opposite of the, of the hard ground, the wayside. Uh, the wayside was hard, compact, and, and the seeds bounced off. But the good soil is soft. It's a soft heart, ready to receive the word, an open heart, ready to, to receive God's message and to study and grow and learn. And, and there's no sin there. Sin's taken out. Pride's taken out. And it's just a soft, humble heart. That's the type of ground we need to have if we want the seed of the word to flourish in our hearts. Humble, soft, ready to listen, seeking God, full of good nutrients and, and things that would um, make the word uh, prosper in our heart. Uh, that's the type of soil we need to have. So that's, of course, what we need to, to shoot for and, and, and strive to have is to make our soil, our heart, ready to receive that word. Uh, then he talks about bearing fruit. Uh, he says the good ground will bear hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Um, there's different ideas on that. You know, one idea is that uh, the fruit is producing more plants. You know, a fruit generally has seeds in it. So when a fruit falls and, and the seeds are in the fruit, more seed will be planted in the ground. So bearing fruit, I think, means, in one way, it means producing more plants, producing more Christians, spreading the word where the seed that was planted in our heart, now we become the sower and we go out and we start sowing that seed. So other hearts that are ready to listen will be, uh, that seed will be planted. So bearing fruit uh, means that, I believe that's one aspect of it. But another way we bear fruit is, is Galatians 5 verse 22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. So that's another way we bear fruit as good plants uh, of Jesus, as good uh, Christians. We bear fruits of the Spirit. We produce these things, and that's what uh, the fruit means. So, in conclusion, I think the message for us today uh, even if we consider ourselves as good soil, we need to be constantly wary of keeping the thorns out, removing the stones, and having a soft and plantable soil. Keeping the thorns out means the cares of this world are not choking out the word in our hearts. They're not, we're not too focused on cares of this world where we're not focused on Jesus. We need to choose the good thing and focus on Jesus first. Removing the stones uh, means we have a lack of endurance. We don't have deep roots. We need to make sure our roots, con roots continue to grow. We continue to build our faith, learn and grow and an understanding of right and wrong by studying God's word, build our faith, strengthen those roots so that um, when the winds come, we're not blown away. And we need to realize Christianity is an endurance race. Uh, having a soft and plantable soil 
I think the, the issue there is the, the people's hearts were hardened by sin. So we need to make sure our hearts are soft and ready to receive God's word and that the sin of this world has not hardened our hearts. So that's the message I think we can take away from this. Continue to cultivate our soils and let Jesus cultivate our soils by studying the word, receiving that word, and we'll continue to grow and flourish in the word of God. Uh, so again, the question, what type of soil are you? We need to aim to be that good soil. So that's the parable of the sower. Uh, hopefully uh, something in there was beneficial to you. Uh, and it was good for me to study this parable, even though I think, you know, we've heard it maybe hundreds of times. Um, it was good for me to do an in-depth study of this parable. Hopefully uh, we've, we've grown together in this. Uh, we don't want to end without a, an invitation. If there's one who has a need in your heart tonight, uh, and we can meet that need either by prayer or through baptism, and you're ready to do that, uh, we invite you, please come forward as we stand and sing.